Praise the Lord. All right, someone trying to give me a little boost of self-esteem. I see it. Thank you. <laughs> Take your Bible. Oh, my. Take your Bible, if you would. Please turn to Philippians chapter 3 today. Philippians chapter 3. Again, we're in our study, Reaching Forth series. Again, our new theme is Reaching Forth, so we're kind of addressing the passage that we're utilizing as our key verses, and uh, then we'll eventually step out a little bit after we've addressed those verses, and we're going to maybe make some more application down the road. But for right now, we're getting through the passage. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, we're going to start there, and we're going to read through verse 14, and then we'll kind of summarize what we've been addressing, what we've already looked at, and we'll continue uh, with uh, the Apostle Paul's perspective here. Now notice what it says here in chapter 3, uh, verse 8. The Bible says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, having not mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity to gather today. I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I have nothing to give this thy people except you give it me first. Oh God of heaven, I need you. Thank you so much for the privilege it is to stand behind this pulpit, but it is also a tremendous responsibility cannot accomplish it in my own strength or my own ability. It has to be you and your Holy Spirit speaking to and through me. If we meet with a mere man today, we'll have wasted our time. We need to meet with you, the Master. So, Father, please speak to my heart. And, Father, allow me to be your mouthpiece. Oh, God, may you stand in my shoes. And Lord, may you be with every listening ear. And may you anoint them with spiritual ears that they may hear that which is so necessary, needful in their own lives. Thank you for the opportunity that now we have to gather today to glean and grow from your word. We love you, we thank you, in Christ's name, amen. Now the Apostle Paul is one of the great <clears throat> figures in the Bible and is likely the greatest Christian who ever lived. However, he wasn't always that person, was he? No, prior to becoming a Christian, the Apostle Paul was named Saul. Saul was a man who was diametrically opposed to Christianity. He was known for his zeal in persecuting the church. He literally sought out and hunted down those who named the name of Jesus Christ. He was an enemy of the cross like no other. But all that changed one day when he was confronted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in Acts 9, 3 and 4, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, it would be at that interaction and that place in his life where everything would change. He met the master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and now nothing would ever be the same. Prior to meeting Jesus Christ, Paul had worked tirelessly to please God in his own ability and his own strength. He would point out, 
earlier in the chapter that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, oh, he persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, he said it was blameless. I was blameless. I did my very best to adhere to and to follow the word of God, the law that was given, in hopes that it would ultimately gain favor with God in my life and that I'd be able to enter heaven and please the Lord. Well, all that changed that day. Everything changed that day. Because what Paul had considered a credit, I'll get this one way or another, right? What Paul had considered a credit in his life his background, his character, and his religion. All of the things that he once depended on, that he relied upon in his life to gain favor with God and to ultimately ensure a place in heaven one day, all of that changed when he met Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, those things became the debit in his life. Those things became the minus, if you will. He was no longer placing his, his weight upon those things. He no longer depended upon them any longer. Instead, he was depending on Jesus Christ and Christ alone now. Where once Christ was the negative, where once he sought to obliterate Christians and to do away with the gospel of Jesus Christ, now by meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, his life had been transformed. His life had been changed. And now... He places all his weight on Jesus Christ. And anything that's good in his life now, he gives credit to God for it. He's no longer trusting in his own righteousness or those deeds that he can perform in order to earn favor with God. Instead, he can be found depending completely on Jesus Christ. He goes on in Philippians 3.8 to say, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. His credentials or his deeds in the flesh carry no weight now. It's all about Christ in his life. And he would go on in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is trusting Christ and denying his flesh so that he can live a life that will mirror that of the resurrected life. He knows that at some point Jesus Christ is returning and he'll be raptured out. And in the point of being raptured out, he's going to receive a glorified body, a new body where sin will no longer have dominion. And he says, listen, that's the kind of life I want to live now. I don't want to wait till I'm raptured out. I want to experience the resurrection life today. I want to live without sin binding me and holding me back. I don't want to be uh, totally controlled by the flesh. I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. He'd go on to win scores of souls to Christ, begin a number of churches, and pen 13 books of the Bible during his lifetime. His legacy has continued through time, even to our generation. Today we pick up a Bible, and in it we find the books or the letters that he had written to the churches that have been saved for us throughout the course of history. And they impact our lives. They are indeed the Word of God. Not because he was used to pen them, but because of the author who used him to pen them. He was simply an instrument in God's hand, just like a pen is in mine today. 
And that Apostle Paul was just like this pen who God then directed his words and put them on paper. When someone says, oh, the word of God was made by man or created by man or written by man, they are not true. Man just was an instrument that God used to put it on paper. So Paul, he exhibits a profound attitude of humility. And we recognized this early on. Last week we talked about his discernment. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He reiterates the fact that he has not arrived, and yet I'm trying to be perfect, he's saying. I'm trying to live the resurrected life. I'm trying to be the best Christian I can possibly be in this flesh. But I know there's plenty of room for improvement. I know that I have not attained to that desired goal. I'm trying to die to the flesh daily. I'm trying to walk in the Spirit. I'm trying to obtain the resurrected life. But I'm not so pious as to think that I've already reached that summit. Boy, we see his discernment, brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended. But today, this week, I want to continue because we learned some valuable lessons to the Apostle Paul about how to reach forth. One, we need a proper discernment, recognizing that we have plenty of room to grow and a long way to go. But then we note his determination, Paul's determination. He says, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He begins by stating or saying, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And that's the emphasis of our study this morning. We'll address the rest of it later, but this morning I want to focus on this aspect. The emphasis is on forgetting those things which are behind. Paul is not saying that I can't remember my childhood or my high school years. He's not even implying or saying that he chooses to forget who his favorite teacher was or possibly a vacation that he took with his family. No, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. That's not the context of it. No, what he's really saying is, I no longer depend upon my own righteousness do I relive my sinful failures and mistakes. Neither will I permit the successes in my Christian life to, at this point, to hinder or impede my progress presently. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not going to allow that past to control my present. I'm not going to allow my past to dictate my future. I won't permit it. I won't allow it with God's help. See, our past can weigh us down, and Paul is clear about God's plan for our lives. We are to run a race. We are to finish strong. That cannot be accomplished if we're carrying around baggage from our past. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Some would debate as to whether or not the Apostle Paul was the pen that God used to write this book. I kind of believe that he did, but I guess in heaven we'll really get the true answer. Whether he did or didn't, it's God who's the author, so it still carries the same weight. Notice what he says in Hebrews 12.1, and I believe the Apostle Paul is the one God's using to write this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Notice what he says, lay aside 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Notice again, the, the, the Apostle Paul is utilizing a, a picture of a race. Remember, he grew up in a day and he lived in a time when the Olympic Games were going on. He knew what it was to run a race. And he remembers the preparation. He knows the, how, how the, 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 the runners would get ready and prepare and how they would ultimately strip down so they weren't carrying any extra weight so that they could be as, as a fleet of foot as possible. And so he's writing to the Christian now and he's making it perfectly clear. He's saying, listen, you cannot afford to be burdened down with additional weight if indeed you hope to win the race. Doesn't work that way. Today I've got a dumbbell here. Now don't say you got a whole house full of them either, ladies. I know what you're thinking. But I got this dumbbell here and on it it says the past. And I just want you to understand that sometimes the past can truly weigh us down. It can really hinder and hamper our ability to run the race effectively. I think about some things that can hinder us. First of all, our past sin can hinder us. Oh boy, can it create havoc in our lives. In John chapter 8, verse 36, the Bible says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Although we've been forgiven and we've been made free indeed, we are often prone to drudge up the past and to experience feelings of guilt and shame in our lives. Our sin is under the blood of Jesus Christ, and any thought to the contrary is simply a lie that Satan has embedded or implanted in our mind. However, we are human, and so often in our humanness and in this flesh, we find ourselves feeling guilt and shame from the past, unable to let go of the past, or the sin that was in our life at some point. It weighs us down like this weight does. It literally slows us down in the race that we are running. You may struggle with sin in your flesh after being saved, but God has made provision for that. We know that as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression. But now as a believer, we say, I'm still struggling with that sin. What do I have? What options are there? Well, in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We start off with a relationship with God the moment we put our faith and trust in him. But the truth is, is that our actions and our lifestyle can ultimately create friction between us and our Father. Oh, it's not our relationship that's affected. It's our fellowship that's affected. And so we, yes, come to Christ and our, our sin is as far as the east is from the west. We'll no longer be reminded of the sinner we were. But the fact is, is as we go through life in this flesh disobeys the word of God and we go our own direction, it affects our fellowship even as a child who is rebellious and disobedient to a parent. It affects the fellowship. Oh, you're still mom, you're still dad and nothing will ever change that. But boy, does it create conflict in the home. And as a Christian, you need to understand your sin has been forgiven. And as you rebel against God and his word, it's gonna create some conflict. No, you're still a child of God. However, your fellowship with him will be affected negatively. And he says, I don't want you to let the past, I don't want you to let any sin hold you back. So I'm giving you the recipe to deal with it. Confess it and forsake it. 
Past sin need not slow us down. We just need to confess it and forsake it. But not only past sin will it weigh us down, but also past failure. Boy, past failures can really, really put a wrench in things. I mean, there's no doubt that God would have us be reminded of his marvelous grace and goodness in our lives. No doubt about that. But when it comes to our failures, he draws the line. Yes, remember how good I've been to you. Yes, remember the blessing that I was. Remember that I died for you on Calvary, was buried and rose again. Remember your sin is washed away. Remember that I give you victory in your life. Remember, remember, remember in those situations. But I draw a line. Do not dwell on past failures. Don't do it. Paul the Apostle said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And I believe he's talking about some of his past failures. It's true that failures can motivate us to work harder than ever to succeed. But all too often, failures weigh us down. They discourage us. They defeat us. The devil is great at throwing our past failures in our face, trying to convince us somehow that we're of no value to God. We're no value to anybody. How could we ever please God now after everything we've done? I failed so often in my Christian life or I failed so often in my past. He drudges it all up and we go, there you go. I'm useless. I want you to realize and recognize this truth. You may have failed in the past, but that doesn't make you a failure. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. You don't have to allow your past to rule you. You don't have to let it govern your feelings. You don't have to permit it to, to hold you back or to slow you down. Not only do we see past sin and past failure, but we notice past injustices. Satan is the master of deception. Boy, he would have you believe that a shadow from your past is strong enough to bind you forever. So what do you mean? We're talking about hurts. We're talking about heartaches. See, the reality of hurt that men and women experience because of abuse is real. It is real. It scars the soul as a cut scars the body. However, it need not rule your life. See, the same Jesus that cried, peace be still, and calmed the raging storm, can calm the storm raging in your life as well. We can't allow Satan to bind us with the hurts of our past, the injustices that we've experienced, the things that should not have happened. At times we, we wear, and this is a danger, at times we wear our hurts as badges, feeling that somehow that gives us the right to be angry or the right to be bitter or hateful. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what this person did to me. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to hate. We hold on to them as though they justify our critical and destructive attitudes and behaviors. The Apostle Paul is saying, forgetting those things which are behind. I can't continue to go forward if I keep living in the past. If I continue to allow those that have harmed me or treated me unjustly to hold on to me and hold me, I'll never go forward for God. I can't allow that to control me. The truth is we've been bought with a price. And therefore, our hurts, our heartaches are no longer ours. 
They're his now. See, he bought us as is with all our imperfections and we have no right to them anymore for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's, he says. They're the Lord's now. And those past injustices can weigh us down if we allow them to. But the choice is ours. You say, no, it isn't. That was handled the day it happened. I can't change what took place. You're right, you can't. But you can change how you perceive it and how you deal with it. How many times have we watched children grow up to be fearful and afraid or possibly to be stifled by the the overwhelming presence of a parent that is fearful for their safety to the point where they themselves are crippled into the future? We've allowed the past to control us. We've not gone forward. We've remained in the past. We've allowed those injustices to weigh us down. Boy, you better be careful. God gives us the victory if we'll only take it. You say, well, how? Well, we know that according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he says, he says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He doesn't say that you have the strength to forgive someone that's harmed or hurt you in any way. He's saying you forgive them the way I have forgiven you. You use my forgiveness and forgive them. You follow my example. I, I didn't owe anybody an apology that day, Jesus says, but I forgave them anyway. You'll be the one that's made free indeed. Boy, they can weigh us down. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, proves to us that we can choose to handle it Jesus' way or we can handle it our own way. Jesus said, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Here it is. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He says, you know what? I don't have to defend myself in the midst of all this mess. You can go ahead and pluck my beard out. You can put a crown of thorns on my head. You can whip me with a cat of nine tails. You can even drag me down the street and haul me up to a Mount Calvary. And you can place me on a cross and drive nails in my hands and my feet. You can go ahead and crucify me between heaven and earth. But the fact is today... I'm just going to commit myself to him that judgeth righteously. I'll leave the judging in his hands because he is quite capable of righteousness and holiness and he is capable of justice. It's up to us to move on. But we can't do that until we have complete confidence in the justice of God and allow him to be judge. The Apostle Paul is making it very clear. He's saying, listen, I am not going to allow what's happened in my past. I'm not going to permit it to hold me back or slow me down for the cause of Christ. Man, there is a race to run and there's a reward to win. And I want to make sure I cross that line and please the master. I don't want anyone or anything to hold me back. I want to reach forth. Not only do we see this element of past sin and past failures, past injustices, but even our past successes. They can hold us back. Past success can cause us to become complacent and satisfied with our present condition. Now, I understand that we're to be content in whatsoever state we are, but my friend, let me tell you something. If you have a wife and a couple of kids and you're content living in a box outside under a, 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 and, and living on the street, my friend, you need to just kind of change that. You better have a holy dissatisfaction for that and say, I want a little bit more for my family. 
Listen, I'm not, I'm not down in somebody that has been down on their luck. I'm just telling you this, that there ought to be something inside that says, I want better for my family. I want better for me. I want something that they can hold on to. I want her to have a little security, and I want my children to have a little hope. I'm going to go ahead and do all I can to make that happen. And if the best I've got is under a box or under a bridge, that's okay. But I'm going to give it my very best. I'm not going to sit there and think, well, this is good enough. It's not. Don't settle for things in your life like that. Even when you've been successful in an area, someone says, well, my marriage is good enough. Well, what do you mean, good enough? Wouldn't you like it to be better? My children are obedient enough. Wouldn't you like them to be more obedient? I mean, well, my Christian life is, eh, it's good enough. What? What is wrong with us today if indeed we are complacent and we are, are complicit with that kind of mentality and attitude? It's been said satisfaction is the enemy of progress. Past successes can breed a sense of complacency. We're to be reaching forth and not simply resting comfortably. Can your Christian life take a step forward? Then take it. Don't settle for where you're at then. Go forward. Today, maybe you're lost. You don't even know Christ is your Savior. It's not good enough. You're going to perish without Jesus Christ. You're going to spend an eternity separated from him. No, don't settle for that. Don't become complacent. Well, I'm doing good. I got a good job and I got a nice family and things are going well for me. Hey, don't settle for that. Settle for a relationship with Christ that ultimately leads you to heaven and ultimately enables you to lead them to Christ also. Little successes and things that we have done well or seem to have done well cannot take the place of Christ in our life. And then, of course, we have a number of things. We have past righteousnesses, self-righteousness. Paul the Apostle had that. We've spoken about it already. Man, his past was just littered with all kinds of reasons why he should depend on his own ability, his own flesh, his own confidence in the flesh. But he's recognized, when I met the Master, I realized Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. That does not hold water anymore. I can't put any weight in my own flesh and the ability that I have to accomplish anything to bring me into favor with God and ultimately land me on the shore of heaven. I've got to completely and totally depend upon Jesus Christ. I will not allow my past righteousness or self-righteousness to hinder my race forward. And reaching forth. And finally, our past upbringing. This one has a tendency to kind of trip us up sometimes. Although we are commanded to honor our parents and respect those who have invested in our lives, both as children and adults, we need to be very careful to give God our greatest loyalty. See, there may be times when what we learned growing up doesn't line up with God's word. That's probably happened in all our lives to some degree or another. We're, there's no perfect parents, right? Right? Well, that's right. You are, not me, though. <laughs> I guarantee you that. I just, you fell asleep on me there. I just want to make sure you're awake. But when our upbringing isn't in alignment with the Word of God, the Word of God is right every single time. Every time. Maybe we learn to speak our minds with no regard to others. Well, that's probably not the best thing to do. It's certainly not something that honors Christ. Possibly we learned that the end justifies the means. I mean, it's okay to fudge the truth if it spares someone's feelings, or in the end, everyone's happy. Well, that's a worldly philosophy. It's certainly not in alignment with God's Word. 
Our upbringing, however wonderful it may have been, cannot take precedent over the, the word of God, over his truths. It just can't. And where that, that doesn't line up, well, we just submit to Christ and his word. It's not that we dishonor our parents. It's that we honor him. The past can truly weigh us down. It can impede our progress in the Christian life. This dumbbell, it's, it's only 15 pounds. But I guarantee you this, if you held on to this any length of time, it's going to be a problem. I mean, you carry this thing around long enough, it's going to weigh you down. I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't want to have to race somebody with this bad boy in my hand. I mean, I consider myself extremely athletic. And I know you can tell. But I promise you this, holding this, probably the youngest person in the room would beat me around the building. Guaranteed, right? Why? Because I'm being weighed down by the past. And too many times as Christians, we're being weighed down by the past. Too many times even as people that are lost, we're being weighed down by the past. It affects how we make decisions today. It affects what we do in the future. How many people have lack of confidence and are unable to take a step of faith because they're so fearful they're going to fail? I failed before. That's who I am, a failure. No, that's your past. And the Apostle Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm not going to allow them to control my present. I'm not going to allow them to dictate my future. I won't let it happen. But you know what? It, it gets a little worse sometimes than even just simply being weighed down. I'll tell you what, that past can hold us back. I mean, it literally holds us back. It's a serious matter here. I mean, you think about it. You think about how many times you've looked at your past and how it's held you back. I think about this rope here. And, and let me see here. I'll tell you what. Um, we're, uh, let me have one of these. Uh, yeah, come on up, brother. Yeah, you, you got, look like you got some muscle. There you go. I'm going to give you that in. Hold that in real quick. All right. All right, come up here, brother Josh. I need a little help because I know he's going to probably drag me down the aisle here. Come on down here. Let's get over here toward the middle more. There you go. All right. Now listen, Brother Josh and I, we represent the past. Not only does the past weigh us down at times, not only is it like that weight there that we carry around with us, but it can become almost like a rope tied to our past. Our past is, we're tied to our past to the point where it impedes our progress. It literally holds us back. It keeps us from moving forward at all. Go ahead, take off and try, not, don't take off too fast because I don't want you to, but start pulling and trying to go somewhere. And so look at that. Go ahead. What are you doing? Move. All right. He ain't going nowhere, right? But he doesn't even have much of a past. <laughs> but the past is holding him down. It's, it's, it's keeping him from going forward in his life. There's no doubt that there's a weight sometimes. We know 
those weights that so easily beset us, we got to discard them if we're going to run the race and ultimately cross the finish line, if we're going to reach forth as God intended. But let me tell you, sometimes the past will literally stifle your growth. It will, it'll just literally just freeze you in place for fear or just, just concern or you just don't feel that God can use you and you just are stuck. Held back, not just held down to some degree, held back by your past. Thanks, you can just leave that right here. Just go ahead and set it down, that's good. Boy, it's so important today that we, like the Apostle Paul, recognize the fact that we're to reach forth. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're to be reaching forth as believers. We shouldn't be satisfied with the status quo, with mediocrity, with where we're at. We ought to want to continue to grow grow closer to Christ, continue to know Him better, like the Apostle Paul said, to know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowshipping of His suffering. My, oh my, we are to grow in Christ. Go forward and reach forth. See, Paul was determined not to look back any longer. Boy, I'll tell you what, he had a past, didn't he? Oh, man, can you imagine? And we know in Scripture, and I don't have time to read the Scriptures, but we know for a fact that there were people that said, wait a second, you want me to reach out to the apostle, or to to Saul? And he was called Saul before he was called the apostle Paul. You want me to reach out to that guy? That guy, he hates Christians. That guy despises Christianity. That guy... Through my dad in prison. That guy, through grandma and grandpa in prison. Hey, he cost them their lives. You want me to trust him? I don't want to get around him. He's not altogether. He is out there. No, he's on my team now, he says. And Paul sometimes, no matter how much people tried to give him a benefit of the doubt, I'm sure there were those that struggled. And Paul had to say, you know what? I could go back there and relive this over and over and over and over again. I could allow it to keep me from moving forward. I don't want to have to face those people. Man, I put their daddies and their mamas in jail. I put their their grandparents in jail. I don't want to have to face them. I don't want to have to do all these things. I don't want to take a position of authority and and leadership in lives. I just want to get in in the background. I just want to hide a little bit. But he wouldn't. I'm not going to allow them. I'm going to forget those things which are behind there's one thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to let that past hold me back from running my race and reaching forth. I'm going to accomplish what God's called me to do. I'm not going to let Satan deceive me into believing that I'm worthless or useless now. Can I tell you, he's convinced a lot of believers of that. And in some cases, the past is weighing them down. But can I tell you this? There are some cases it's literally holding them back. Past sin, past failure, past injustices, past successes, past self-righteousness, past upbringing. I mean, is there anything holding you back or slowing you down today? Boy, he didn't want anything to hinder or hamper or impede his progress in the Christian life. He wanted to obtain the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you and I would be very wise to forget those things in the past that slow us up or tie us down too. Like the apostle, we have to forget those things which are behind and we need to reach forth 
unto those things which are before. Is there something slowing you down or holding you back today in your Christian life? Maybe it's a sin that you know you ought to be dealing with and you just haven't. Possibly, possibly it's, who knows, a failure. You experienced some failure and now you just are so shaken by that that you just, even when God says, I want you to take a step of obedience, I want you even to get involved and you think, no, you don't want me involved. I'll mess it all up. Maybe it's even a past success. You've thought, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine without Jesus in my hip pocket. I mean, I don't mind going to church, but I don't need him like all that much. Because I'm doing just fine without him to some degree. Oh, I need him, but I also got some other things in my, you know, in, in the corner here I can lean on. Don't, don't lean on those successes. Man, don't do that. You, it's not wrong to have successes. It's not wrong to see victories. It's not wrong... But, but, but be careful you don't neglect God as a result. Maybe you feel like, I'm a good enough person the way I am. I don't treat anybody ill. I, I'm kind to folk. I mean, I try to help people even. I mean, I, I, I do all I can to be a blessing to others. I mean, I never, I never, I don't try to get angry at anybody. I don't try to be upset with anybody. I even tip people good that wait on me at the restaurant. I do all the things that are nice. Well, don't depend on that past self-righteousness. Don't let it slow you down. Don't let it hold you back from obedience to Christ, to depending solely on Christ and serving the Lord with all your heart. Maybe your upbringing. Well, I know all about this. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm doing just fine, thank you. You know, I know the Bible too. I hear what you're saying, preacher, but pff, I'm good. I'm good to go. And you know, those things that I do wrong, I mean, I understand we're all just human. You know, I learned that I saw my, my parents are good folk and I know they had their problems and I'm just, I'm good folk. I have my problems. And so, you know what? I mean, I know it doesn't always align itself perfectly with the word of God, but God understands those things, right? Be careful. Don't let that past slow you down. Don't let that past hold you back. Have you given Satan ground in your life? Does he use it to discourage you from taking the next step in your Christian life and in your relationship with the Lord? Confess it. Any fault or sin. Choose to live in the present and not the past. Forsake the past and reach forth today. God has a plan for your life and he has a prize for you to obtain. Paul, what's that one thing? This one thing I do, you said, what do you mean? And he starts by saying, forgetting those things which are behind. Maybe you and I need to forget some things that are behind. And it's time to solely and completely look forward and reach forth today. Father, we come to you. We ask you, Lord, just to speak to our hearts and work in our lives. Lord, we understand and recognize that we're just human, we're just flesh. And Lord, the fact is, is that we all can make improvement in our, our lives. 
Lord, uh, we, we, we don't in any way want to imply that we've arrived. I mean, Lord, we know we're humble enough to realize that there's room for improvement. But Lord, help us now to take steps to improve. Lord, maybe we are being weighed down. Maybe we're being held back, just like that rope held back. That rope kept us from going forward today. Maybe that's how our past is doing to us. It's holding us back. Stifling our growth. Keeping us from realizing the victory that can come in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd be with every believer today. And may they just evaluate their own life and ask themselves, have I given Satan any ground in my life? Have I given anything up? Have I allowed him to discourage me? Have I allowed him to hold me back some way? Have I permitted these weights in my life to slow me down or some kind of past to literally keep me from going forward? Help us to be honest with ourselves. And Lord, there may be those in the midst that have never put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Oh, he died on the cross 2,000 years ago for them. I know that he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do as they hung him there. But Lord, this salvation that he provides us is a personal one. We don't come to it just because he died on the cross. We come to it when we recognize what he did for us and we invite him into our life. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in this crowd today that has yet to receive and accept Christ, that they themselves have not called upon the Lord like the Bible says, that they would settle it today, that they'd realize their sin will separate them from God forever. But that sin can be washed away because of the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary and the sacrifice he made on our behalf. Lord, I pray you do that today in a life. May they see that they just need to call on him and may they step out into the aisle, make their way forward and let someone take a Bible and show them just a couple of simple biblical promises that can transform and change their life even as the Apostle Paul's life was changed. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.